That's the Red River Ramblers with Wigwam Polka from their new album, Matey Fiddle Music. Now, Matey banjo player and guitarist Douglas Richard Sinclair started the Southern Ontario-based Red River Ramblers in the hope of reviving Manitoba Matey fiddle music. To learn more about the band and their music, we're pleased to welcome Douglas Richard Sinclair to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. Thank you very much, Jan. It's uh, great to be on the show. So tell us about the new band. You must be pretty excited about this venture. Oh, I'm very excited. Yeah, it feels uh, it feels like I found my home in this project. So Stephen and I have been friends for many years uh, since our youth, and uh, we played in several bands together. But uh, I feel that we finally found a music project that we can put our heart and soul into. So tell us about your own background. You are Métis, and I think you have family connections to Manitoba. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I am a Métis citizen of the Métis Nation, and uh, my ancestry goes back to the Red River Settlement and Western Canada in general. So tell us a little bit about getting into music. I mean, you're a banjo player and a guitarist, and you basically have worked on developing that Métis style. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah. So, uh, you know, through my youth, I started taking uh, guitar lessons at the age of nine, and uh, I taught for a number of years at a music studio that I now manage. Uh, but I'm also a student at U of T, so I study there and I work at the same time. Uh, and I'm in actually in essentially uh, like web design and graphic design, so something very different. But around 2014, I started to get into folk music uh, out of sort of a necessity to find an art that I can express myself with that was accessible to me. Uh, a lot of the times when I had other music projects that kind of required, you know, more infrastructure, like rock music, it was always these different barriers that I had to get through to make it possible. And so I started to, you know, get into a little bit more of a folk tradition playing. Uh, and uh, I found that I had a lot less resistance. Things started to move quicker. It felt very natural. And I formed uh, actually a band with Stephen, who's a percussionist in the, the Red River Ramblers, called Dayfoot, which is named after his uh, last name, his family. And uh, we made a record and you know, that band lasted for about a year, but things continue to change. And uh, now here we are today. So getting into, you know, specifically Métis music, was that right. something you were really brought up with as well? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you ex- thought about lots of different genres and styles, you know, before you started to move to, to folk. Uh, when yeah. did you decide that you really wanted to to become, you know, really known as a Métis musician and promoting Certainly. the the Métis history. So I've always liked a variety of uh, music genres, uh, you know, and I, I tend to separate uh, the music styles that I play uh, from what I listen to, because there's lots of music styles that I listen to, but I don't necessarily play or create in those styles. When I first got into banjo, I kind of came into it through the lens of my friend who thought that folk music might be a good option for us you know, just sort of rely on each other and not have to have a full band and uh, all that sort of setup. So, you know, kind of something that's more minimalist, if you will. Through that lens, he was kind of showing me some of the more, I guess you would say, indie folk, perhaps, like uh, the Avid Brothers and things like that. From there, that kind of projected me onto this path uh, where from there I kind of said, okay, well, what what's behind this? I want to learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, what came before this style or what influenced these artists. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to John Denver, Johnny Cash. I like, I love a lot of old-timey country music. When I started to get into banjo, that opened my ears to old-time fiddle tunes and Appalachian music. And from there, I kind of just 
flew with it. Uh, I remember one day I walked into a music shop in Rockwood at that time called Music in the Wood, uh, run by Hugh Hunter. Uh, and uh, I was just curious as to what banjos he had because I, at that time I had purchased a Good Time During 2 uh, from a basement apartment in Toronto that I found at Kijiji just kind of on a whim. I'm like, oh, I, I want to check out banjo, right? And so I picked it up and, uh, I, you know, I started to play a little bit, but I wanted to see, okay, there's a local guy here. He's making banjos. I really like, you know, artisan built things, you know, people who put their craft their love into what they do. From there, it just kind of really took off. I ended up purchasing a banjo from Hugh, actually the very first banjo that he ever built. Uh, it was his personal banjo that he played, but he entrusted it to me, which I still feel very flattered for the, to this day. And from there, I kind of started to discover the Toronto old-time scene, uh, like the Foggy Hogtown Boys, uh, more bluegrass, I guess, but also the Lonesome A String Band and all those projects. I've seen uh, the Lonesome A String Band, I don't know, maybe over 20 times. When I go to the shows, they wave to me, so there's an indication there. Uh, but I really love their work. And then so from there, I started to learn a lot of Appalachian music, American old-time fiddle tunes. And then I kind of decided, okay, well, where can I find my path within this tradition? What can I do uh, to offer something unique and interesting to this style of music? And so I kind of just had to look at myself and think, okay, well, what, what are my connections to this community? Let's just say in the broader scheme of things, uh, traditional music, right? And so from there, I kind of tried to think, okay, well, what are the Canadian styles, right? I wanted to find something that was distinct. And then I started to get these ideas in my head of what I could do with this style. And uh, I kind of started to listen to Métis fiddle music more so. And I, I really enjoyed the aspects of it with sort of the crooked time and all these things that make it distinct. A lot of the tunes are, you know, uh, sort of arranged differently from what I envision. So that's where I aim to make my own impression into that style is to kind of change the arrangement and the structure of the songs and to emphasize certain things and stay true to certain things, but at the same time also uh, innovate certain things. So there are eight tracks on the Matey Fiddle Music album, the, the new album. Uh, how did you choose the tunes for the album itself? Funny that you asked that. Uh, the, one of the first ones that I ever envisioned for uh, this music was Wigwam Polka. Uh, when I first heard that uh, fiddle tune originally recorded by Andy Desjardins, it was something that struck me. Um, I really liked the interesting melody of it. And one of the things that first caught my ear uh, was the use of the hand drum at the very beginning. But the tune is much faster and the hand drum only lasts the first few bars and it cuts out. And my first instinct when I heard that was like, oh, that seems abrupt. I was like, I kind of wanted to keep hearing that, right? So I had envisioned a, ver a version of it where we would slow it right down and include the hand drum and the percussive element all of the way through the music. Because one of the key things to understand with Métis fiddle and what makes it distinct is the mixture of uh, French and Scottish fiddle tradition, but also with First Nations dance and rhythms. That's sort of what makes that style distinct. All the fiddle traditions are sort of linked together right? In a way, right? They're all connected. But what makes it distinct is this sort of ethnogenesis of these elements. Pretty interesting. I, I got to say, I really love it. There is something very warm about this Métis fiddle style of playing. Yeah. Um, you. you know, it, 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 I, I guess, you know, you, you just said, you know, that, you know, Scottish and French fiddle, I mean, they're, they're all, you know, party music. I mean, you know, yeah. you just have to go to the East Coast to see how, 
you know, Absolutely. how that music has developed up there. But I, I think you're, you're doing a really wonderful thing with this. And, you know, one of the things in the information you send out, you, you, you know, you put really prominently, I mean, your hope is to see if you can try and revive things. And I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that side of thing, about, you know, yeah. this is obviously a passion that you've moved into, you know, you've, you know, that this is something that, you know, just talking to you today really feels like something you should be doing. But can we talk yeah. a little bit about uh, your passion for reviving this uh, type of music? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, uh, you know, it's it's important for everyone to understand the history that's behind this country. And I think that uh, for a lot of people within Métis communities, they've grown up with this style of music. They're very aware of it. For a lot of Canadians in general, they don't really understand the culture behind what makes the music distinct and the people distinct. Uh, so for that in itself is sort of a large part of the passion for what I'm trying to do with the music. I feel a responsibility to try and, uh, you know, share the story that I have uh, and also continue to uphold the legacy of my ancestry and also to, uh, you know, find a, a creative outlet. I spent a lot of time playing, you know, uh, in cover bands, doing old timey country and learning a lot of other people's music, I guess, sort of in a jazz idiom where you take standards and you kind of arrange them in your own way. This is kind of my way of finding my own creative outlet through that culture, right? Passing it down and giving it sort of a new, fresh uh, sound, right? A lot of uh, uh, Métis bands out West will sometimes play with, you know, full drum kit, electric bass, all these different things, but I kind of wanted to change instrumentation. As far as I can find, uh, there aren't, aren't really very many, if not any, uh, Métis banjo player specifically. Uh, and I'm also trying to sort of develop my own style on the guitar as well. Uh, and that I hope will make it unique, but also a large part of it too is the percussive element and the stripped down sort of rootsy, more earthy arrangement to the, to the band. So let's talk about the band and the recording of the album. You mentioned uh, Stephen Dayfoot, I think. He plays hand drum, spoons, yeah. and assorted percussion. I always love it when you, yeah. you know, spoons gets mentioned by itself, but then the assorted yeah. percussion. Whatever's laying around, right? Like, uh, I think uh, there are certain uh, elements that kind of lend themselves to the style naturally, right? Like spoons are, you know, definitely used in a lot of uh, fiddle traditions. Uh, the hand drum is selectively, as of course, as we were talking about in the original recording of Wigwam Polka, you can hear the hand drum in there, but it kind of gets cut out right right away. Uh, and so we we first started out with just the hand drum, and then we started to think, okay, well, what other what other sort of sounds can we add to this? Or what other things can we do to make this interesting while still keeping it minimalist and simple? You know, but what else can we add? So the bass drum was a, was a pretty a good one just kind of carries the low end and uh, the hand drum is another interesting sound that gives it a little bit more bass as well and it's funny when we perform and steven will switch to the spoon sometimes even mid-song people just go crazy they love they love that it just adds so much energy he also uses uh, a shaker and or a foot tambourine on his other foot you know, he's trying to uh, come up with a variety of different sounds. And we talk about that all the time. What else can we incorporate or what can we add to this? You know, we probably don't want to go to the length of having a full drum set, but, um, you know, we're willing to experiment and try different things. 
Now, I think the fiddle player on the album is not the fiddle player that you have in the band just now. Is that right? Tell us a little bit about the making of the album, and then yeah. we'll steer into the current format of the band. Certainly. So, uh, you know, I had had this vision uh, for this project for, I think, at least a year or two before it actually started to come together. So I, I had had this concept in my head. I approached Stephen about uh, starting together, and actually one of the... Uh, instructors at the studio that I manage uh, named Pierre. He's a young guy. He was only 18 at the time when we first met. He started teaching music at the studio. And uh, I had asked him if he was interested. He grew up more actually on the East Coast, but he was very familiar with fiddle music. Where I live in Holton Hills, unfortunately, there's not a very large pool of musicians. So it was kind of uh, a bit of a, uh, a rarity to find someone like him that was you know close to us that we could sort of start to play music together. And so we shared that passion. We were lucky to have him there at that time. And uh, we started to work, I think, in February of 2019. We got together and started to play tunes. And I kind of explained to them the arrangements and the vision that I had for it. And uh, from that time period, we started to arrange the tunes and practice them. We did a DIY music video. Uh, I rented a cabin for, I think, $90 for the day. Uh, and we did a little DIY music video of Whiskey Before Breakfast. And from there, we were able to... Uh, acquire five gigs that summer then we worked towards uh, making the record i believe on july 22nd and that's when you went to to work with john dinsmore at lincoln county social club right in toronto that's correct yeah, yeah and I, i'd recorded there once before with another uh, band with steven yeah we loved it john's an excellent uh, an excellent engineer a great person to have around he makes the work process go really well so Pierre Arsenault was the original fiddler. Now you have a new fiddler in the band now, right? Yes, that's correct. So Pierre, him being 18, he was on his way uh, to school. So he's actually studying in a music program at Fanshawe in London, Ontario. And so because he wasn't able to commit to playing in the band this time while he's at school, uh, we started to look for another fiddler. And uh, we were very open and, uh, you know, we understood exactly what we were getting into. He was very understanding and... Uh, you know, we've also encouraged him to try and find other projects to work on. I like having sort of that open source style in the bands. It makes it uh, better for everyone because you'd hate to just put an end to the project if someone were to move away, right? And, uh, you know, our doors are open too, but um, we uh, we started to look around and I'd have to tell you, it was very difficult to try and make connections at first. It was actually through Christine Schmidt who books the local uh, she was an excellent help for us because she started to connect us to more of the Toronto fiddle scene, right? We're out in Holton Hills, which is not too far away from Toronto, but I don't often get to go there being busy with work and school and everything else. But she started to give us uh, some names and contacts and uh, Nathan came out to rehearse with us, which I felt was uh, you know a good sign that he felt interested in the music. And uh, once we rehearsed, it just kind of everything once again fell into place. I'd like yeah. to take a break with a, another tune from the album. You've selected Red River Jig. Uh, yes. Can you tell us anything about this tune? Yeah. Well, one of the most interesting facts about uh, the Red River Jig is that it's not a jig. It's a reel. Um, <laughs> and uh, everyone kind of plays it a little bit differently. So if you listen to different Métis fiddlers, everyone has their kind of different approaches or slightly different uh, variations of the melody. Uh, melody but... Um, we kind of change it up a little bit too. It's a good example of what we say in Métis fiddle music is crooked time, right? So crooked time refers to 
tunes which are played with sort of uh, odd bar structures or you drop bars or play different, you know, slightly different rhythms than what you would normally expect out of more square fiddle tunes. But for me, that's the part I love. It's sort of like a puzzle. It makes it interesting and fun. It can be a challenge to learn the tunes, but the crowd tends to really enjoy those ones. Let's listen to that just now. This is the Red River Ramblers with Red River Jig from their wonderful new album, Matey Fiddle Music. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. the Red River Ramblers with Red River Jig from their new album. It's entitled Matey Fiddle Music. Douglas Richard Sinclair from the band is a special guest on Folk Roots Radio today, chatting about the band and the music. The new album is out. I think you had the release show just yesterday, didn't you? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that went. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, the, the excellent thing about the local is that there's a, a plugged in audience. Uh, people go there to listen to music we were very well received. We got lots of applause. Uh, we sold quite a few CDs. The tip chug was moving around the room and we, we did very well. Uh, and, but, you know, aside from any of the, those financial aspects, I just very strongly appreciate the reception that we get. Sometimes you play gigs where, you know, you, you might get a guarantee, but, uh, you you know you might be in the background or people that might not be as engaged uh, but at the local each time that we've played there we always have people that are interested that come up to talk to us uh, that tell us their stories and that's the part i love the most uh, so i'm very grateful for the local for hosting us for our seed release party and uh, we hope to play there again so what happens now i imagine that you're probably um you know getting some festival gigs is that right yeah, we're working on that. Yeah, we've got a few gigs lined up for uh, the winter, hopefully to play a lot more in the summer as well. Uh, we'll perform at a Banjo Fest in Guelph, and uh, we'll also, we also have a, uh, a Maple Syrup Festival, which in my books goes uh, perfectly with Métis Fiddle. Yeah, we're looking forward to those and to playing more. We'd like to do some traveling across Canada if that opportunity comes our way, but uh, we've applied to a lot of festivals at West, and hopefully find places where people will appreciate the music well certainly it's the sort of music that's kind of perfect for festivals you know that people can get up and 
and just enjoy the day. And, you know, you've got the opportunity if you want to, you know, maybe move around a little bit. You can definitely do that because this is music that certainly encourages a good time. And that definitely, as far as I'm concerned, makes it perfect for festivals. As far as the music is concerned, eight tracks on this album. Obviously, that's not enough for, you know, your typical show. You're already pulling other tunes together to, that may end up on future albums? Yes, actually. We were talking about that while driving to the CD release. <laughs> and I already feel excited to record the next one. Uh, we do perform uh, three 45-minute sets of music. So we have maybe 30, 40-something-odd tunes that we have memorized and that we perform live. And uh, we're sort of arranging them and hashing them out, you know, continue. I, I'm a fan of the dialectic process. So I, you know, I believe that we should kind of let things breathe and move and play them live and try things. Uh, and then once we go through that process, then we would get to the point of recording. Uh, so kind of try and put the work in and, you know, test a song on an audience and see how they feel about it or what they like and how we feel about it. Right. And sort of let uh, the ideas flow for a while. And I was just wondering in the, the future, is there, you know, plan to, to maybe weave in some original tunes? I mean, is that Actually, something you're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Jan. Uh, we, we act, I have composed one tune so far, and I do definitely intend to do that. Uh, we performed it uh, last night at the local, and uh, I, you know, I don't mean to sound uh, cocky about it, let's say, but uh, when we performed it, the, the room went silent. Uh, I explained uh, a little bit of the history behind the tune and uh, why I chose the title. As soon as we started to play, the room kind of went uh, dead quiet. So I felt that that was a pretty good sign that uh, it's something that we should continue to do. Well, that's great. I'm really excited about this. I got to say, I love the album. I've been playing it quite a bit. We're going to finish actually with a couple of tunes in a few seconds. But if people want to learn more about your music, what's the best ways to do that? Certainly. Uh, so I would recommend if they visit our website, uh, the redriverramblers.com. That's a great place to start. You can go on there and find a couple of uh, music videos, uh, links to our record uh, via Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Bandcamp. Uh, the CD is for sale. Physical CDs are for sale on Bandcamp or digital downloads you can purchase through there. That kind of explains a little bit about the history if you're interested in Métis culture. Further from that, uh, you can check out uh, Lots of different uh, sources online, history textbooks. You can find all that information. Looking up specifically for the Métis Nation, there's there's so much to learn. One of the uh, historians from the Louis Riel Institute recently passed away, unfortunately. His name was Laurie Barkwell, but I recently completed a project on my family history, and uh, he was a great help. Uh, so I also recommend checking out that website. He's passed now, but he has a lot of uh, open source work. Uh, that people can read up on and check out uh, the stories of Macy families. No, that's great. We're going to finish with a couple of tunes that we've selected. What are we going to play? We're going to start off with uh, the Louis Riel Reel, uh, and then we will go into another tune titled uh, Chanson de la Ganida, uh, which is actually a, a tune that was composed by my fifth great-grandfather named Pierre Falcon after the Battle of Seven Oaks when the Métis were victorious over the Hudson's Bay Company been great to, to talk to you today. This is the Red River Ramblers with two tunes, the Louis Riel Reel and Chanson de la Crinière from their great new album, Métis Fiddle Music. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio and I'm Jan Hall. And Douglas, thanks for spending the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much, Jan. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> 